Did you know that the 4th of July is on a Thursday this year? That's going to be a full weekend of fun out on the deck, four days. But if your deck isn't what it used to be and you aren't using it for great family gatherings, you need to call my friends at All Weather Decks. All Weather Decks is a 24-time winner of the Angie Super Service Award. And they probably help one of your neighbors. Click on the map link at allweatherdecks.net. Call All Weather Decks today at 913-206-1974 or go to allweatherdecks.net and mention you heard it on 810. Call now and relax. I'm low. Additionally, drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Call us for your free quick quote today. 800-326-7765. That's 800-326-7765. What do you have to lose? Call 800-326-7765. Again, 800-326-7765. Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM, KKGQ, Newton. This is the Shane Dennis Show on the new ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. Hello, happy Tuesday. Happy episode 665. Shane and Jack with you for the next couple of hours. You can be a part of the show, as per usual, the same ways that you ever could. If you don't know what they are, if you're a little late to the party, here's how you can join us from noon to 2, and from noon to 4, honestly. But during this show, if this is only uh, the only show you got time for, then listen up. If you want to call us, Uh, For one of our mini giveaways, we got a giveaway today, too. 3162, uh, I almost screwed that up. 3166694996. That is the hotline. The text line is 3162470923. Smart speaker, if you're around the house. KKGQ, 92.3, tell it to play that. And then, of course, the much ballyhooed by me, uh, but for good reason, I think, ESPNWichita.com. That is your one-stop shop. You can stream the show from there on your device, your laptop, your computer, your phone. You can find all the uh, shows, past shows. They call them podcasts. We have everything at ESPNWichita.com, from the Border Patrol to the program with Seren Petro and me and Pat in between. ESPNWichita.com. 92.3 in your car. Tune in and other things, including ESPNWichita.com on your phone. Follow us on Twitter. Be our friends on Facebook today. It's February 13th. It's 44th day of the year. 322nd day of the, uh, 322 days left in 2024. And we're headed for a high today of 60 degrees here in Wichita under mostly sunny skies. It's nice out there. All right. And, uh, a programming note. Well, it's not really because the pulse and Pat coming your way at two o'clock. He'll just be in Derby. That's all. CBD American Shaman down in Derby. So you Derby listeners, this is your day of the month. Come by, uh, swing by there and see Pat from 2 to 4. 
200 North Baltimore. Check him out down there. CBD American Shaman Derby. He's coming your way from 2 to 4. So he will have to uh, beg out of I'm old Jack Young at the end of this show. Speaking of this one, I'll lay it out for you here in just a little bit. But first, Jack Johnson, producer, show contributor, phone screener, and text reader, is going to provide a moment of levity. Go, Jack. I'm just a messenger, so keep that in mind. Okay, I will. Every time I work late at the hospital, I help the patients sleep. There isn't a snooze button on the beeping thing, so I just unplug them. You know, you'd have been better off playing some sort of snippet from Smokey and the Bandit like we <laughs> talked about before we went on the air. If only it was clean. And that would have been better than that one. Hey, today's National Pancake Day. National Tortellini Day. National Cheddar Day. Uh, but impossible, in my view, to combine the three. Got to pick and choose. It's Fat Tuesday. It's the last day of Carnival and the day before Ash Wednesday. Fat Tuesday is the intertwining of a period of festivals and feasts that lead to a time of fasting and reflection, also known as Shrove Tuesday and Mardi Gras. Jack, in your young life, have you had an opportunity to live, enjoy New Orleans with or without the Mardi Gras part? I was in New Orleans for the Final Four in 2022. That was the only time I'd ever been there, but not during Mardi Gras. Uh, Spoiler, you don't need to go down there during Mardi Gras. Matter of fact, I would suggest you don't. You know, it's even more bonkers than it is the other 364 <laughs> days a year. And see, that's the thing is Bourbon Street anyway. I I loved New Orleans, by the way. I loved the food. I loved Bourbon Street. I loved everything that New Orleans had to offer. It actually wasn't too muggy when I went down there, too. That was one thing I was warned about was that yeah. it was just humid like hell and mm-hmm. just uncomfortable. And I went there in April, so a different time period. But, um, Mardi Gras has been one of those things that I just don't think has ever intrigued me. And I I, I like uh, to go out and have fun. But sometimes when it's that packed, when you can't even move, it's just it's not worth it to me. It's not worth I don't like waiting in lines a long time to get a well, drink. Who, who does? Who, yeah, some people man, do. That's... They're like, if, I, if, I, if I'm enjoying the atmosphere, I can wait 20 minutes for a drink. I'm like, mm-hmm. nah, I, I yeah. can't do that. I don't want to. No, that's a good decision. And I don't mean to tell people what to do, but... Um... New Orleans, yes. Need to check it out. It is all the things Jack just said. Fun, good food, uh, depending on the time of the year. Warm, but uh, not unbearable. But, yeah, don't, uh, you don't need to be going to Mardi Gras necessarily. Uh, February 13, in celebrated history. <laughs> you see Andrew's text, Jack? He heard that you went down to New Orleans for the World Chess Championships back in April. Because we all know you're a big chess fan. Yeah. No. Hey. <laughs> hey. A misconception of mine. Should we uh, should we update all the things that you are on the <laughs> I think, I think we are we are due. <laughs> Some of these are, are absolutely outlandish and not yes. true. My thing yes. was not that I dislike chess. My gripe was, if we all remember the story, was the no. kid who was playing blindfold in four different chess games, and I'm like, if you actually believe that's real, that's on you. 
Okay. <laughs> what I would do in that is say, hey, you know what would go viral on Twitter, make us money on Twitter, is let's have him play four different players blindfolded and everybody go, wow, that kid's incredible. Like, there are some things that are believable. That just isn't to me. So it's not chess. It's just little kids. It's, That's <laughs> yeah, what you think. Yeah, no, little kids, you know. Uh-huh. Um, no, it's, uh, it is people that will make up things to get people to bite on them. That's what bugs me. Okay. Chess, I, I'm not good at. I play chess. I have played chess before. I'm not good at it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. My gripe isn't with chess. My gripe is with people that play into hoaxes. That's, that's how I should categorize it there. Another texter says his wife and him are going to New Orleans next week for their 40th anniversary. Congratulations. I think this is Bill. Uh, do you have any don't miss places or things to do? Um, Jack, any don't can't miss New Orleans places? Yeah, I would say there's there's a handful there uh, that you could go to on Bourbon Street. Pat O'Brien's is probably the most famous one. Um, mm-hmm. That's uh, you, you can't miss it on Bourbon Street. Twenty uh, First Amendment was really good. French Seventy Five. Also, I had been there before. Um, what was another good one? Ghost Bar. I don't think was bad, but that's not on Bourbon Street. Um, that's kind of the top there. There, there's some breweries there as well that are pretty good. Food you can't go wrong. Any place you right. go to restaurants, you can't yeah. go wrong. But I would agree with that. Pat O'Brien's is like the stereotypical. Like when you go to Bourbon Street, that's the most popular one. They've got like a cool outside terrace. They got to get yourself a hurricane. Those are fun, cool drinks. They put in a tall, giant glass, and mm-hmm. it's kind of yep. it's sugary. So if that gives you a bad hangover, then I advise against it. But if you're going to Bourbon Street. There, there's a Pat O'Brien's, and right next door to Pat O'Brien's is a little pizza shop. Don't remember the name of it, but that's that's what I would hit. Lunch at the pizza place and then go for drinks at Pat O'Brien's. And also, wouldn't you agree, uh, Jack, that Bill and his better half, if you go to Bourbon Street after dark, don't stray off of Bourbon Street? Correct. Um, Not a good idea. I would, yeah, I would definitely, when you're walking to Bourbon Street, you know, Daytime and even the evening is not bad. I mean, if you stay in there, but just it is a long stretch. That's what's always not really told you about Bourbon Street. It's miles long, mm-hmm. right? So to me, there's like right at the beginning of Bourbon Street, it's very busy, very touristy. Um, there's a lot of people there. If that makes you more comfortable, if like I like to be around a bunch of people that like I know I'm not in the middle of nowhere. There's nobody left here. Whereas, you know, if something were to happen, there's nobody that can help me. All the popular places where they always tell you to go to New Orleans, they're like at the beginning or the middle mm-hmm. part of Bourbon Street. But yeah. yeah, after after dark, if you're not familiar with the area, don't you, don't use stray good off. Sense. Yeah, use, use good, good sense. sense. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it goes for any place that you're not familiar with. You know, stay with places the the locals will tell you where to go to. Yes. Where you know, it's just like, hey, if you're going there for a good time, a nice dinner, here's where to go to. But yeah, bars, you can't miss it. Pat O'Brien's, there's like well, four or five to, bars. Bill and his wife need to have their picture taken in front of Pat O'Brien. There you go. Least. Yeah, send yeah. that in the text line because it, yeah, it was awesome. Absolutely. And all like four or five bars all within walking distance right there that are fantastic to go to. But food-wise, pick a place. You will not be disappointed. Yep. Yeah, you will not be able to screw up the, the food choices down there. Uh, celebrated birthdays today, Elizabeth Truman, Bess Truman. She became the 35th First Lady of the United States, 1945. Uh, also, Tennessee Ernie Ford, born 1919, 16 tons. That's his jam. And American fighter pilot Chuck Yeager, born 1923. So there you have that. 
That's uh, February 13th for you in little uh, New Orleans talk. And that'll lead us into a little bit of Chiefs Super Bowl viewership talk in the time that we have left. Um, Super Bowl a couple of days ago set TV ratings records. 123.4 million viewers. So it was the longest Super Bowl, but it's also the most watched in television history. This is according to Nielsen and Adobe Analytics. It was an average 123.4 mil viewers across TV and streaming platforms. Um, that shattered last year's mark by my rudimentary math, 8.3 million for Kansas City's last play win over the Eagles. So that's a 7% increase from the year before. The game was televised by CBS, Nickelodeon, and Univision, and streamed on Paramount Plus as well as the NFL's digital platforms. Jack, I have a question for you. I saw on Twitter this morning um, multiple calls of the game-winning touchdown, and maybe before this morning, but it wasn't until this morning that I saw it. Did you see the Chris Fowler, Dan Orlovsky, Lou Riddick call? And how was that possible? I'm trying to figure that out in my pea brain. Would that have been ESPN Radio? Well... I mean, it was on it was on X slash Twitter, and there was accompanying video of it, and the ESPN bug down at the bottom of this video screen, whatever it was. So could it be that that was ESPN radio call, and they synced it up to video and slapped their slab on it? And isn't that some sort of infringement if it is? Because that was a CBS broadcast. Um, yeah, I'm not real sure on that. Because um, I know for the Super Bowl, they they can't broadcast it on ESPN um, because the CBS has rights to it. So yeah. CBS and Nickelodeon were the only two thing two companies that could broadcast it. So I would guess, you know, if Kevin Harlan's got the CBS oh, right. radio right. call, um, then I mean, Chris Fowler did a saying, lot. A texter saying it was ESPN Australia. Is that possible? Or are I you guess. just joking, Bill? Uh, you got me hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> yeah, it has to be. <laughs> That's I, I what Dan Orlovsky said yesterday on one of the shows. Okay, well, regardless whether that's true or not, and thanks, thanks, Texter, thanks, Bill. Uh, I was surprised to see that looking like it was an ESPN broadcast because it clearly wasn't. But anyway, I don't want to get too far in the weeds here, but uh, Nielsen also said, that a record 204, uh, I'm sorry, 202.4 million watched at least part of the game across all networks. That was a 10% jump over last year's game, which was pretty much an instant classic from start to finish. And I know uh, you get caught up in being a prisoner of the moment, but let's be honest, first two and a half quarters on Sunday was not exactly an instant classic. But anyway... The CBS broadcast, CBS exclusively, averaged 120 million, which is still pretty good. The network's previous mark for its most watched Super Bowl, we talked about last week, 
and I can't for the life of me figure this out. Or maybe that's the last time at CBS. Yeah, it couldn't have been the last time CBS had a Super Bowl. But the network's previous mark, uh, previous mark for most watched was 112.3 million for the 2016 game between the Broncos and the Carolina Panthers. But anyway, that's a story for another time if you even want to go there. But some of the uh, some of the increase attributed to a change in the way viewers are counted. Nielsen began including out-of-home viewers in its rating in 2020, but only from limited markets. And this is kind of TV slash media talk here a little bit, so I apologize. But that measurement expanded to all 50 states beginning this year. So Nielsen including out-of-home viewers in its rating. Sunday's game was only the second of 58 to go into overtime. Of course, the previous one was a 28-3 game. Sean McManus, the CBS Sports chairman, uh, when asked about overtime, saying, quote, I was managing my expectations, but I had a bit of hope that it would happen. I can't imagine a Super Bowl being any better or more exciting than this, unquote. Of course, he got helped out mightily by Jake Moody having an extra point blocked, keeping the spread at three points at that point. But uh, the NFL playoffs averaged 38.5 million viewers during the first three weekends. That was an increase over last year as well. And the most consumed, I guess you could say, Super Bowl ever. Jack, um, being a prisoner of the moment, where does this rate in all-time Super Bowls in your mind? And not just because the Chiefs won. Try to take that hat off for yeah. a second. Most exciting Super Bowls. Top blank. Man, five? I, it's it's got to be top five, right? Oh, it has to be top five just because there was a game-winning touchdown. You know, you go yeah. back to the best ones ever, it has to come down to the final second or a final play. I mean, the one that immediately popped up in my mind was the Rams-Titans Super Bowl. You know, you had Dyson lunging for the goal line. That felt very, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, memorable in a sense of, like, Hollywood. You know, the ball is that short of the goal line. So that's up there. I mean, I got to say the Patriots-Seahawks, the Malcolm Butler oh, interception. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's – that's got to be up there. Um, yeah, this one has to be top five because it's a walk-off overtime touchdown. It, wasn't it the first Super Bowl to go into over? No, second, right? Because it was second, the Falcons. Yeah. Falcons Patriots has to be up there. Of course, that was a walk-off touchdown. Um, I mean, Bills fans aren't going to want to hear this, but maybe the wide right game. Wide right, yeah. Scott Norwood. Anything that came down to the final seconds are going to be in the running for this. Uh, but the fact that it was a walk-off touchdown and also one that the Chiefs needed to have a touchdown, you know, they could have kicked a field goal and gotten into another overtime after that. But to me, it has to be firmly cemented in top five. However, I think the best time to answer that question will be, what, a year from now, two years from now, after, you know, maybe yeah. just a couple weeks down the road when you can digest it, you know, because right now I'm sure a lot of people would say that was the best game I've ever seen. That was the most exhilarating, yeah. exciting. But we all know that's likely just the recency bias, the prisoner of the moment talking. Somebody's going to do a top five here in the next week for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. it has to be firmly in the top five. Anytime you have a walk off touchdown in overtime, 
you kind of are in a standalone spot. I would argue, though, um, this recent one and the 28-3 game wasn't wall-to-wall instant classic. You know what I mean? The, it was a cliffhanger moment at the end. But if you didn't watch all apologies to Chiefs Kingdom, but be looking at it objectively, if you just watched the second half, you wouldn't have FOMO from the first. Bunch of punts and a couple of fumbles. Wasn't much going on in the first half. And the same could be said for the first two and a half quarters of the 28 to three Falcons Patriots Super Bowl. So it wasn't just that it grabbed you from the opening kickoff until the end. I feel like last year's Super Bowl did that more. Am I misremembering? Like oh, last, that was three hours of biting your nails, regardless of who you were rooting for last year. There was a great comeback. It was two heavy hitters, two explosive offenses. Uh, you had a fumble return touchdown. You had like a 50-yard touchdown pass from Hertz to A.J. Brown. Mm-hmm. There was more of the the stardom. and There was the starstruck of that game. Where this one, early on, yeah, it was muddied up. And here's another thing that's going to be factored in years down the road. That was Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts was an MVP candidate earlier in that year. I guess you could say the same for Brock Purdy. But how are we talking about Brock Purdy 10 years from now? That's what I'm going to be looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, is Brock Purdy going to fall into that Jake DeLome category or that you know, Rex Grossman category where it was like, you know, Mahomes won his third Super Bowl on a walk-off touchdown. Who was the quarterback they faced? Oh, yeah, Brock no, Purdy. Brock Purdy. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So that's always going to be broken down uh, in Super Bowls for victories because the ones that everybody remembers, right, are those top-tier ones, the Mahomes versus Brady. Um, you know, Brady when he faced off against Russell Wilson, when Russell Wilson was at the yeah. height of his career. Then you have those ones where they didn't have the best quarterback matchups, the Manning versus Grossman. Um, you know, there was a couple of years who was, it would have been McNair versus Kurt Warner, right? And yes. then with the Titans Rams one, we just brought and up. the 28 three game, Matt Ryan won the MVP that year, didn't he? Yeah. So like that would so, be one where is the, yeah. like I said, prisoner of the moment, right? Matt Ryan back then was considered elite. And now we look at Matt Ryan, we're like, damn good quarterback, but man, he choked one away, didn't he? Yeah. And I heard you on uh, Pat's show yesterday and I'm paraphrasing here, but talking about, uh, Brock Purdy not being able to go win the game. Um, yeah, he was functional, and he was not the reason why the the uh, 49ers lost, but he didn't go win them the game either. Um, now, some of it could have been attributed to, if you want to kind of carry his water a little bit, Kittle was in and out of the game. Debo was in and out of the game twice, and... Legarius Sneed was, or yeah, Legarius Sneed was locking up Brandon Ayuk. But, and I was staying this morning, um, well, I was talking to Tim Grubbs earlier this morning about Purdy and the governor that it seemed like has been on him, placed there by Kyle Shanahan. Jack, if not in the Super Bowl, then when? Like, hey, kid, go win us a game knowing in the back of your mind you're going against Patrick Mahomes, regardless of what he'd done or hadn't done through the first three and a half quarters. Are we ever going to just see what Brock Purdy looks like when he just lets her rip? And if you can't do that in the Super Bowl, when are you going to? No, I, I don't think that there's going to be a scenario in which that we see Brock Purdy all of a sudden be this uh, over-my-dead-body type of quarterback. I'm going to go win you this game. And maybe if it does happen, 
I think I would tell you that it's not going to be for San Francisco. Here's here's an interesting stat, by the way, that uh, I believe it was uh, the herd with Colin Coward brought up in comparison to Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you know their records in their first 27 games with the Niners? Probably really good. Or are they identical? Brock Purdy, 21-6. and six. Jimmy Garoppolo, 21-6. Uh-huh. Completion percentage, Brock Purdy, 67.7. Jimmy Garoppolo, 67.2. Passing yards per game, Brock Purdy, 248.9. Jimmy Garoppolo, 246.9. Touchdown to interception ratio, Brock Purdy, 48 touchdowns, 14 picks. Jimmy Garoppolo, 40 touchdowns, 24 picks. Jeez. Passer rating, Purdy, 110.1. Jimmy G, 97. So Purdy, slightly better, but he's also closer to Jimmy Garoppolo than we think. And I don't think that's more so of the quarterback in general. I think it's how the system is a little Mm -hmm. bit. But also, if you put Brock Purdy somewhere else, I don't think he's anywhere near as effective as he is right now. I would tend to agree with that, too. So not to uh, turn this into a Brock Purdy segment, but Super Bowl uh, ratings – Got more eyeballs across all those platforms than any other Super Bowl. I would stop short as saying that was one of the best Super Bowls I've ever seen. Oh, I know another one. And you may have been super quasi young, uh, but you got the YouTube and you got the internet. I remember thinking at the time that the Panthers Patriots Super Bowl, the Janet Jackson halftime. Yep. From start to finish, and that ended up with a Vinatieri walk-off, I believe. Uh, I remember saying it at that time when I was watching, that's the best Super Bowl I've ever seen. So there's another one. Uh, okay, so we're off and running here. Coming up next, Jack is going to give us a geography lesson in Kansas City because there is an announcement due to come down from there in about two hours that will affect the Royals maybe into perpetuity. Uh, that might be stretching a little bit, but Jack and I will have a little convo about the Royals and what's next, and perhaps piggybacking off of Annie Rogers' MLB.com piece, who's going to be on the opening day roster for the Royals as pitchers and catchers reported today. Hallelujah. So some Royals talk coming up when we come back. Also a Valentine's Day Twitter question. And uh, we had two interviews scheduled in hour number two. So if you follow the station or me on X slash Twitter, uh, we're going to have to move Matt Tate for some Jayhawk talk from today until tomorrow. He's having uh, travel, not issues, but he is incapacitated because of his travel out of Lubbock. But we will have Jordan Foote coming up at 1 o'clock, like we normally do. Got plenty to talk to him about. And then I'm old Jack Young at the end of the show. There's a 30-year anniversary of Coach on Coach Crime. And some cool birthdays, as usual, on a uh, 141 segment of the show. It's called I'm Old Jack Young. Make sure and stick around for that. Where's the Crossroads District? Jack will tell you, and more Royals talk when we come back. You're listening to The Shane Dennis Show on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. Basketball fans, get ready. Sunrise Christian Academy, Visit Wichita and the Wichita Sports Commission, proudly present the second annual Air Capital Hoop Fest. It's February 15 and 16, so Thursday and Friday, uh, at the Garvey Center. 
on the Friends University campus. It's a two-day boys basketball showcase featuring four of the top high school basketball programs in the USA. Brace yourselves. It'll be a showdown of uh, epic proportions for the nation's top high school basketball teams face off. It'll be Sunrise Christian Academy just up the road here, local favorite, one of the four teams participating in the event. Others include Link Academy from Missouri, Veritas Academy from California, and Wasatch Academy out of Utah. There will be two evening games on both days, again, February 15 and 16 at the Garvey Center at the Friends University campus. Adult single-day tickets, 10 bucks. Youth and student tickets are $7. Get their, get your tickets today by going to visitwichita.com backslash get-tickets. That's visitwichita.com backslash get-tickets. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. That's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability. They value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is now live. The official sports book of ESPN features daily exclusives and offers with your favorite ESPN shows and personalities like me. New users get $100 in bonus bets after making any sports book bet. Download the ESPN Bet app to sign up today. I'll see you there. ESPN Bet. What a play. Must be 21 plus. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hi, this is Blake Davis with Davis Liquor Outlet. And this is Brian Davis with another great special on Jose Cuervo 1.75 liters, only $32.99. Plus, grab a Sam Adams 12-pack for just $14.99. Davis Liquor Outlet. Each store independently owned and operated. Neighborhood locations with superstore pricing. Toppers Plus Truck Accessories has moved to a new location at 333 Northwest Street. Whether you're working or playing, Toppers Plus will get your truck ready with Rhino Linings. Nothing beats a Rhino, the leader in sprayed-on truck bed liners that outperforms plastic drop-in rubber mats and paint-like coatings. They won't crack, peel, or warp and include a lifetime warranty. Toppers Plus, your Rhino dealer. Visit our new location at 333 Northwest Street or toppersplusks.com. Make your truck work for you! Hello, this is Jeff from CBD American Shaman Derby. We can help you rediscover romance through natural elevation. Boost your endurance and satisfaction with our horny goat weed. It's our blue pill for him and her. Happy Valentine's Day. Life is better with the feather. We are down to just the last couple weeks in the Kansas Collegiate Athletic Conference basketball season, and teams are trying to get to Hartman Arena in Park City, Kansas, home to KCAC Championship Monday. Join me, Pat Stroffman, for our live play-by-play coverage of the road to Hartman Arena. On Wednesday, we'll be in Leavenworth as the St. Mary Spires take on the Kansas Wesleyan Coyotes. Our coverage begins at 6 o'clock, right here on Wichita Sports Leader, ESPN Wichita 92.3 F.
legendary, first of all. There's also CNC Music Factory. Freedom Williams, a member of that awesome group, turns 58 today. Happy birthday to Frederick Freedom Williams. Before we get to some Royals talk, we need to let you know that through tomorrow, Scenic Views are calling you to uh, Sweethearts Week. Swing by for Scenic Views wrapped in red and steal your heart specials at the Sweethearts Week costume party going on right now through Valentine's Day tomorrow. So go check that out. Uh, Also, UEFA, UEFA, I think that's how you pronounce it for you soccer folks. Say again? AFA. Okay. Well, UEFA, there's chance. With some soccer help. Uh, Champions League play continues with the group of 16 stage kicking off. So take a long lunch and grab a half sandwich and a bowl of brisket chili. Catch the games. Can't get enough? Come back on Valentine's Day. Two more matchups that you won't want to miss. East, 21st and Rock, West, Ridge and Taft. Twin Peaks, never settle. So today at 2.30, it was announced yesterday that there's going to be an announcement about the new ballpark in Kansas City. And among the details that were leaked, kind of, was that the locale for said ballpark would be at the Crossroads District. Jack, you're a Kansas Cityan. Where is that? What's the very latest update? And what do you think is going to be revealed about two hours from right now? Yeah, well, funny enough, I lived not far from the Crossroads District last year, so I'm very very familiar with the area. Um, If you've been to the T-Mobile Center, not far. Um, And I think what is Mm going to be said here coming up in two hours or so is stadium's going to go basically right where the Kansas City Star Building was, um, which is a little bit more out in the open. If you're looking or you're thinking about downtown, like the T-Mobile Center is right across the street from the Power and Light District, so you're very sandwiched in there. The Kansas City Star Building was really close. So that, like, you walk right by the T-Mobile Center, you'd see the stadium. You you would have seen the the KC Star Building as well, giant glass building um, that actually looks like one of the sand crawlers from Star Wars, where the Ewoks would be in. Like, that's what the, oh, yeah. the, the building yeah. looks like. That's the best way to describe it, in my opinion. Um, but it it would be a good spot, in my opinion. Walking distance from the bar district, walking distance from the T-Mobile Center, plenty of great restaurants. The Crossroads District also is not far, or why am I saying not far? I mean, the, the Performing Arts Center, the Kauffman Performing Arts Center is right there as well. Uh, really great breweries, really great restaurants, great Italian restaurants down there. Um, I think if they were to pick a spot, downtown-wise, that's the best option. Like, that, that to me, when it... When it was brought up that the Kansas City Star location is roughly where they wanted it to go, like that made the most sense to me. Um, it never made sense to like squeeze it in there right by the T-Mobile Center um, in front of all those buildings or in those buildings where it like pops up on you. This provides mm-hmm. some space to build a little bit, uh, provides a little bit more um, breathing room for it, in my opinion. And there's a lot of cool things uh, down there. I always thought uh, that's like the most picturesque area of downtown just because it's right in the middle of everything. There's lots of great views there. And Crossroads is very historic uh, down in Kansas City. In fact, I was there out uh, for a friend's birthday 
uh, in the bar district there like two weeks ago. It's just uh, it's a very cool area, very historic for Kansas City, looks historic as well. Um, so I think for fans that would be visiting or fans that would be excited for a new stadium, this is a good spot for it to be at. I know there were people that I knew that really wanted to be in North Kansas City, wanted it to be in KCK. You know, everybody's got their preference and stuff. Yeah. And, Sure. You know, of course, they don't want to have more money added to their taxes that are going to spend money for the stadium. But we'll see where everything breaks down probably today at 2.30. But in my opinion, that's what we're going to hear is that the, the renderings, where they want to build the site they've chosen is that spot right there where the KC Star, KC Star building was. And Texter just brings up, talking about renderings, uh, Texter just said, I hope new ballpark rendering is better. It's very similar to current Kauffman with structure, lights, crown, water fountains. Is that how you understand the renderings will be. This will be a, um, what's the word, so you can understand. I know you don't know what a carbon copy is, but is this a I, mirror? I know what the phrase oh, okay. means. Yeah, carbon copy <laughs> right. is the exact same thing. It's 2.0, identical, stuff like that. Um, right. I think, uh, one, I believe there's going to be fountains. I, I think, you know. There better be. They have basically made that their their identity. Um, why do you think their City Connect uniforms had the fountains? Because they consider yeah, sure. them the city of fountains is what Kansas City is. So they would not go downtown and say, nope, no more fountains, because that's the identity. When you think of Kauffman Stadium, you think of the big jumbotron and the fountains. Mm-hmm. Like That's the picturesque part of Kauffman Stadium. So I'd imagine that they are going to put uh, fountains out there. Do I think they're going to have a jumbotron that size in center field? Likely not. I think it'll be scaled down a little bit, but I also think from the renderings we're going to see a scoreboard like where the Hall of Fame was. Like they'd mm-hmm. have a Hall of Fame within a giant scoreboard, like they have now, uh, but more so video scoreboard, not like a uh, where they're throwing showing uh, the batter and the pitcher and their stats. The stats are like yeah. they'd show yeah. replays on both of those, in my opinion. So um, that would be the cool part of it. I think adding more exposure there would be helpful to the fans when you got two giant screens to look at. But I don't think they're going to have, you know, like basically airlift that scoreboard and then, you know, find a way to put it downtown. Because I think also, too, when you break it down, the reason that scoreboard was so big in the renovation is because there's no skyline. You're looking at what used to be a Denny's, it burned down, but Mm -hmm. then you have the highway. I think if they moved it downtown, they kind of want the skyline in the background of, hey, you've got a, a pretty cool view there, depending where it'd be facing. But I'd imagine they'd want it. Have, they'd want buildings in the background where, when you got a home plate view, there's giant tall buildings there. There's a really cool looking thing there, and a giant jumbotron would block that. But I, I think the fountains would be there absolutely in the outfield. I think they'd have a scoreboard that's similar. To the big one, just not the size of it. Because I believe when they did those that's, renovations, yeah. That's really interesting uh, how the crown, crown vision, is so prominent where it is now. And the decision to either eliminate it or have it be way less prominent because you actually have a skyline to look at. That Man, that's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because for me, old guy, and by the way, I wish you guys, uh, you 20-somethings could have experienced the big crown, which wasn't crown vision back then, of course, uh, but with light bulb pictures of the Royals guy coming up to the plate. I know you've seen pictures, Jack, um, Mm -hmm. from old-time Royals games in the 80s that when George Brett came up, his picture, which wasn't a picture, but it was a basically a rendering, there's his face up on... uh, 
the Royals jumbotron, but it, we've clearly, you know, improved by leaps and bounds since then. But it's now such a prominent piece of the Truman Sports Complex, which has nothing but interstate to look at, and the hotel and Denny's R.I.P. But now, if you go downtown, you got some semi-breathtaking views with, like Jack said, the tall buildings and things like that. So anyway, uh, about two hours from now and smack in the middle of the pulse with Pat, there will be an announcement. And as details come out of said announcement, Jack will have updates for Pat. And as they happen, certainly be listening after 2.30 for all the deets on that announcement about the new ballpark, where it's going to be. Renderings, et cetera, et cetera. To piggyback off of a story uh, written yesterday by Annie Rogers, the beat reporter for the Royals for MLB.com, she has predicted the Royals' 2024 opening day roster. And, Jack, I guess the way we can do this is you can stop me when you see uh, or when you have an issue with what Annie has to say about their opening day roster. Is that cool? It's fine by me. Five or six or seven more minutes left in this segment. So we'll start with the no-brainer at catcher, Salvi and Freddie Fermin. Uh, Freddie Fermin was a very pleasant surprise, I think, for most of us, and uh, should be healthy after his broken finger last year. Showed he was, with all due respect, and I do mean with all due respect, the Drew Butera and the myriad of all-catch, Cam Gallagher, all-catch, no-hit catchers, he was a breath of fresh air. Now, could he do that for 162 or 150? Yeah, probably not. But anyway, he's more than capable backup, and I think him and Salvi at catcher, uh, will be the two guys. Then, of course, Vinny Pasquantino, speaking of coming back from injury, remember that guy? Uh, right shoulder surgery, deep-sixed his season in June last year. And you just hope, more than anything, that he comes back 100% healthy or as healthy as you can be after a shoulder surgery. And then uh, Nick Prado will also be playing for a roster spot this spring, according to Annie. Second base became a lot more interesting, as Jack and I talked about over the last couple of weeks when the Royals signed Adam Frazier. So technically, and by definition, there's your two second basemen, Michael Massey, Adam Frazier. Um, Royals, according to Annie, adamant that they need both if they want to have five lefties on the team. And... Frazier can play the corner outfielders when it's a lefty-heavy lineup. But that uh, discussion we already had about it was kind of a head-scratching move, but it is what it is. Of course, shortstop we know. Uh, your boy, Michael Garcia, at third. Not much of a surprise there. Do you have any issues or interjections that Annie Rogers says outfielders are Isbel Melendez Renfro Blanco? I'm going to say I don't have any objections there. In fact, in my roster projection, that's exactly who I had in the outfield. Because I bring up the question, 
Who provides you more uh, value as a fourth outfielder, Dyron Blanco or Drew Waters? Mm-hmm. And I look at both players. I look at what they give you. I think Drew Waters needs every day at bats in AAA. And even though I don't think he would love to hear that, I don't think he wants to be in Omaha to begin the year. Look, they've already made their decision on who the starting outfielders are. It's Melendez, Isbell, and Renfro. That's mm-hmm. not going to change unless there was an injury, which, of course, you know, knocking on wood can always happen in spring training. Sure. But for what Dyron Blanco gives you, all right, he's the second fastest player on the team. He's probably guaranteed, if you kept him on the roster all year, to have somewhere between 25 and 30 stolen bases. He's also above average defensively. He's also a better offensive value player than Drew Waters. So across the board, I'm going, that's a perfect fourth outfielder. Whereas Drew Waters, yeah, the ceiling's higher. He's younger, but... He's also a big swing and miss guy. He's a big swing and miss guy. He's good defense. It's pretty much a wash between him and Blanco. So then it comes down to, as a base runner, what do they give you? Well, Drew Waters can maybe steal you anywhere from 8 to 10 bases this year. Blanco can triple that uh, for a ceiling-wise. I mean, I think having that type of weapon early on in the year, especially when it's cold, you have a pinch runner late in the game, you want to turn to somebody like that. Bobby Wood Jr. is going to be in the lineup every single day, so he's not a pinch runner. I'd like to have somebody who's explosive like that on the base pass for him. And don't you think age comes into this too? Like Blanco not playing every day, being 30, yeah, not not big deal. Waters up there not playing every day at 25, eh, kind of a big deal actually. So, yeah. Yeah, and I also think too that, you know, Kyle Isbell uh, defensively is the best outfielder they got. Uh, offensively, different story. And that's why I think the Royals will look at it and go, if Kyle Isbell missed a series – if Kyle Isbell was slumping and we needed to rest him for a week, you could turn to Dyrone Blanco in center field and feel okay with it. Where I think with Waters, you know, the floor is so much lower than Blanco's. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can have a stretch where he's two for 26 with 14 strikeouts. Where Blanco, I mean, I, I don't think that he would be much better than that, but I also think he puts the ball in play a little bit more. Um, you know, he's so electric on the base pass. Sometimes he can turn singles into doubles, even if they're not hit hard. Defensively, I feel fine there. Like I said, I think it's a wash with him and Waters. So to me, it's more of a no-brainer than people want to say it is because I know there's some people I know that want Waters starting in center field over Isbell. That's just not going to happen. I mean, Isbell's ridiculously good in, de- in center field, and you'd almost take that and lesser of an offensive approach than a guy who's not much better offensively, but I would say is better offensively but nowhere near the defensive player that he is. Nelson Velasquez put up some pretty good numbers in 40 games, but it was only 40 games. So has he done enough, or does he need to prove? It's a love-hate, this spring training season with me, uh, because I I just waffle back and forth. But the long and short of it is, um, is Nelson Velasquez capable of being a set-it-and-forget-it DH? I think that he's somebody you do want to roll with. Um, I'm actually about to put out a tweet here shortly once we go on break that is fascinating to me. I It kind of stumbled upon me. Um, the stat isolated power, which is a, a saber metric basically that measures the pure raw power of a player. Uh, extra base hits, exit velocity, barrel percentage. Number one in baseball, minimum 100 plate appearances last year, Nelson Velasquez. Higher than Shohei Otani, higher than Aaron Judge. Now, those guys played longer, so obviously your isolated numbers are going to dip, and the average, I think, is around, if you're good, like if you get in the 200 range, you're you're pretty good. You're you're a strong man, some would say. Velasquez last year in 53 games had an isolated power of 352. 
Um, so that's well, if that's the case, yeah, and I have no reason to believe that it's not. That's Jorge Soler stuff. Yeah. And they ran him out there without fail. So let's ride or die with that guy, right? Uh, or I, is it not that simple? No, I think it is. It's a no-brainer to me. I, I keep saying no-brainer. Maybe it's not that simple. But I look at it and go, okay, Nelson Velasquez just turned 25. You've got a guy that is showcased power that Royals haven't seen since uh, Jorge Soler. Yeah, you could say Salvador Perez in his 2021 season where he ran into nearly 50. But to me, Nelson Velasquez's pure raw power is what is so exciting about this. If he went out there last year in 50 games and hit 320 and he was just dumping in singles like a I remember Ryan McBroom kind of did that in 2019. They acquired him, big power in the minor leagues, came over and I think he hit somewhere around 300, but was just dinking and dunking singles, really. And then everybody thought, oh, there's a lot of power in there when really there wasn't. Nelson Velasquez only hit about 230 with the Royals last year. But when he ran into them, mm-hmm. it was pretty much leaving the yard by over 100 feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, another crazy stat about it, there were two players in baseball last year with a barrel percentage above 20%. So 20% of the time they connected, they hit it damn hard. <laughs> they hit it really, really hard. Number one was Aaron Judge. Number two was Nelson Velasquez. Nobody <laughs> else in baseball had a barrel percentage over 20%. You don't even need to bring up the minimum plate appearances there. That's just the amount of time. So there were less at-bats he had, but a higher percentage of when he was actually barreling it. So to me, there is no debate. Even if he does struggle in spring training, there is too much raw power and potential. I mean, there's there's 30 home run potential this year in the bat of Nelson Velasquez. And I just... I'm not willing to put Nick Prado there. I'm not willing to put um, Hunter Renfro there to leave open a spot for Drew Waters. Like I, I think this is a guy that's not going to be your most you know, offensive threat, but there's going to be times that he hits some mammoth shots that you know mm-hmm. not a lot of guys in baseball can hit. Yeah, I dig it. All right, more Royals talk as we get closer to them playing games, which is right around the corner. Pitchers and catchers, of course, reporting uh, a little Royals talk here on the show before we turn the page and get to a valentine's day twitter question got uh, some cash blitz instant tickets giveaway from the kansas lottery 30 bucks worth call jack right now 316-669-4996 be caller number three get 30 bucks worth of cash blitz instant tickets must be 18 years or older to enter keep the fun going when you become a kansas lottery play on member join today go to playonkansas.com sign up it's free Caller number three, Cash Blitz Instant Tickets. Twitter, next. The Shane Dennis Show will be right back on ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. What do people with blindness or low vision need to live to the fullest? Just ask them. It's skill development, scientific breakthroughs, knowledge-based jobs, and the same opportunities as everyone else. When you give to Envision, whether it be your time, donations, or your engagement, you make it all possible. That's because at Envision, they don't focus on the disability. They value the ability. They choose not to envision a world without sight, but to envision a world where people who are blind or visually impaired are empowered to reach their full potential. Learn more at EnvisionUS.com. 
Decided it's time to start saving for your children's college education, but not sure where to start? Let me, Pete Anderson, investment advisor representative at Vantage Point Financial Group help. I'll explain Tax Advantage College 529 savings plans and other options to find the right fit for your family. Find me online at vpfgroup.com or just text 316-333-7530. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Osaic Wealth Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Osaic Wealth is separately owned and other entities in our marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent Love is in the air, and Burnell's offers the finest gift for lovers. Hi, it's Nathan from Burnell's Fine Jewelry and Design. Let me tell you, jewelry always surpasses chocolate in sweetness and outlasts flowers by centuries. This year, skip the boring gift and surprise her with a thoughtful diamond ring, pearl earrings, or a gold necklace that will truly make her heart skip a beat. We have romantic gifts for under $500 so you can show the love without breaking the bank. Visit us on the northeast corner of Rock and Central or shop online at Burnell's.com. Because when it comes to love, only the finest will do. Okay, you know how it feels when you've saved enough for that long-awaited home edition? Now imagine an edition on that edition. That's the feeling with Capital One, where a new savings account earns an interest rate five times the national average. That's right, five times. As represented by five times more singers. This is banking reimagined. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. Rate comparison based on FDIC national rate. Capital One NA member FDIC. Are you embarrassed to host a party for the big game on Sunday at your place because your home is outdated? Do you want to remodel your home because you don't know where to start? I'm Christian Robb from Pinnacle Homes. We offer a unique design and home remodeling process that will turn your home into a space you're proud of. Are you ready to get started? Go to our website at remodelerswichita.com and book a consultation today. Be prepared to host the next big game today. It's time that you love your home again. Wichita's home for Chiefs coverage. ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. This game just was the microcosm of our entire season. Man, I, uh, I couldn't be more proud of the guys, and I, it's such an honor to be on this team. Uh, I was there when Tom Brady said, I'm turning the keys over to you, and he did it right in our locker room. I knew if we got in the tournament, man, we were going to be a hard team to beat just because I know the guys that we have and how hard we work. When you want the latest on your favorite teams, tune into Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92. 3FM. The great Peter Gabriel celebrating a birthday today. I think he's 74. I thought I saw that. Uh, happy birthday, Peter Gabriel. It is uh, 12.53. All right, so got a little bit of time for the Twitter segment, but first need to remind you that ESPN Bet is now live in Kansas as the official sports book of ESPN. ESPN Bet, the only place to find daily exclusives and offers with your favorite ESPN personalities and shows. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets making any sportsbook bet. I heard a lot of chatter on Super Bowl Sunday about ESPN bet at the party that I was at because of said $100 in bonus bets. So check that out, sign up, and find all your favorite markets and bets like in-game wagering, cross-sport parlays, teasers, and all the props you can handle. That's ESPN bet. Download today. What a play. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tomorrow... 
is Valentine's Day. And because of that, our Twitter question centers around Feb 14. And the question is, and here's one, every once in a while you get a Twitter question where the people that vote wouldn't necessarily want their names attached to their vote. And that's the beauty of a Twitter poll that I can't see and nobody can see who exactly votes for what. And I think in this case, this is fitting because it's nobody's damn business. So just be honest and go in there and be honest with yourself. And we'll have a, an interesting little, uh, little takeaway from this unscientific poll, like all of them are. And please vote and repost. Question is, how much are you spending on Valentine's Day? Uh, Valentine's Day. My first um, reaction after I posted this was to want to ask Jack this question, but it's none of my business, so I won't. But please vote and repost. How much are you spending on Valentine's Day? 40 bucks, 75 bucks, more than 75 bucks, or I save so much on February 14th. That would be me. And that, believe it or not, 61% of the vote have said, I save so much on February 14th. In other words, and that's my way of saying none. I'm not spending any money on Valentine's Day. Tied for second is more than $75 and $75. 17.4% of you are spending 75 bucks or more on Valentine's Day. Only 4.3% per, uh, 4 of y'all are spending 40 bucks on Valentine's Day. So more than a little time to vote and repost. It's at ESPN Wichita. We have Twitters up there every single day or X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but today's has to do with tomorrow. How much are you going to spend? All right, it's 1256. Coming up next, we will talk to Jordan Foote. He is the deputy editor at Arrowhead Report, co-host One Royal Way. Back-to-back uh, -back sessions with Jordan, where we've had Royals and Chiefs talk, and in neither have they really been forced. Last time we talked about the Bobby Witt Jr. thing, and then today we get to talk about the new ballpark announcement thing, which will be about an hour and a half from right now, but... Jordan, on the other side of the break, we'll talk Arrowhead Report stuff because the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, talk one Royal Way stuff because pitchers and catchers report, and so all things Kansas City with Jordan Foote. We did have uh, scheduled Matt Tate from R1S1Sports.com, Wave the Wheat, our Jayhawk insider, but anybody who's been to Lubbock and back and not driven there knows it's not easy. And Matt originally was going to be okay for 125, but he was moved around on his flights, and so now we have to move him to tomorrow. But we will still have uh, a little bit of Jayhawk talk after that massacre last night in Lubbock. 79 to 50. It's one thing to go on the road and lose in the Big 12. It's yet another to get your doors blown off 
in near record fashion. Now, it was record fashion in Texas Tech's part in a couple of areas, but there was also a character named Darian Williams that pretty much had a perfect game in his 37 minutes. So we'll talk about that at 125 and also maybe look back a little bit at the Baylor game. I'm sure Jack has thoughts on Hunter Dickinson, Kevin McCuller, how much worth they have or don't have. And then we'll get you ready for uh, the Pulse and Pat with our last full segment. It's called I'm Old Jacks Young, where we examine what happened in sports and the like on this particular day, and this day being thir- the 13th of February. Also, Pat, speaking of him, he's at Derby at CBD American Shaman down there at 200 North Baltimore. So if you're in Derby right now or if you plan to be down there, swing by and tell him hi, tell him I sent you. CBD American Shaman, life is better with the feather. 200 North Baltimore in Derby. Coming up next, though, Jordan Foote, all things Kansas City sports, next. Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM, KKGQ, Newton.